What is happening, football fans? Hope you had a terrific weekend. We are back. We are not better than ever, but we are here in the CONCACAF studios. <laughs> SCCL show every Monday and Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern time, on every single CONCACAF digital platform, including YouTube, available on podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. All the games are going to be available when we start playing February 18th on the Fox Family Sports of Networks. You can watch in Spanish in the United States on Univision. Devin's back. I don't know where he went. I don't know what he did. He was in rough shape on Sunday, but he's back. And I, I don't want to say I missed you, but like... That's why it's not it better than like, ever. Yeah, I'm back. no, we're just back. I'm yeah. back, baby! <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, was I really in rough shape? I was, I was sleepy you from in good a long... Shape. I was sleepy because of long days of travel. You remember Sporting Kansas City's tie against Monterey in the semifinals last year? Are you saying I was... It wasn't... What, it wasn't... You weren't a 7-2 loss. You were like... It was like 4-2. It, it was danger zone. Respectable. Yeah, yeah. Respectable. At that point. I showed up. Yeah. Just didn't show out. Something like that. But I'm back. Yeah. Interestingly enough, I actually took a Twitter poll as to who they'd like to see back. How many people voted? First of all, that's not that's not the point. The point is <laughs> is that the Twitter poll stated they actually want the young ladies back that joined us last week. They killed it. The problem was is they then responded and said I was allowed. They would only come back if I came back. So if they come back, yeah. then I come back. But if I come back, then you have to come back. Guess what? We're and all back. Somebody, somebody's out of a job at Running that point. Back. Let's do it. Let's run the matchup that we got on tap. And it is NYCFC and San Carlos, of course, hailing from New York City in Major League Soccer and, of course, Costa Rica. We have two debutantes, Devin. It's a battle of the debutantes. I mean, it, it's certainly going to make for an intriguing fixture, a competitive one. I'm not entirely sure. When you take a look at San Carlos, they won their first ever Primera Division title in the 2018 Clausura or excuse me, Apaturin, they were able to get it done against Saprissa. Meanwhile, Alvaro Saborio, who has a boatload of experience in Major League Soccer with DC United and Real Salt Lake, he is their talisman. For New York City FC, they have not won a title. They have not qualified for Scotiabank CONCACAF Champions League until this year. They've only been around since 2015 when it comes to playing. Eber is their leading goal scorer after a bit of a late appearance in 2019. And more on New York City FC, of course, we are... Not going to go throughout this show without truly sounding off on the stadium venue change for NYCFC. We'll get to more on that. And then some later on in the show, there's a shot at Yankee Stadium. They won't be playing there, but NYCFC is under new tutelage in Ronnie Dyla, an extremely passionate and constantly vocal fan base. Again, we'll have more on that later in the show. But NYCFC, Devin, making their first appearance in Scotiabank CONCACAF Champions League. What do we think? Let's start off with some positive thoughts and the fact that they brought back basically 90-95% of their roster. That's a really positive talking point. I would say that they and LAFC probably did the best in the offseason of maintaining the structure that they carried from the 2019 campaign. Now what do they do? How do they step up? What pieces are they adding? We've seen a couple of them. We're going to add a few more as these uh, these shows go on, and, and it's going to be today. But look, they've got a pretty easy matchup when it comes to that, that right side of the bracket. How deep are they? What's that going to look like? There's still a lot of questions to go. San Carlos qualifying by way of Scotiabank CONCACAF League, which they were able to get into by winning the class order of 2018. Bit of a wild ride for this San Carlos group. I mean, they fire their coach. In steps Luis Marin. He does okay, not great. 2018 Apertura wins the Clausura. Now here they are, find themselves in their by far the most competitive tournament that they've ever competed in. Normally overshadowed by the likes of Saprissa, Herediano, and Alajuense in Costa Rica. This is one of the teams that when you and I kind of went back and forth on the CONCACAF League, who should get in, who shouldn't, they got in. And, you know, this is basically the last team to get in. Funny how the, the pots broke down. They were actually ranked higher than Leon. That's how they end up in pot two. That's a whole other conversation. That won't make sense to me. What makes the best sense to me about this team is they're in. 
Forget tactics for a second. This is a team that made their way into the tournament. They've got an opportunity to have a fight and go after this NYCFC team. And that was the whole point as we take a look at the bracket of CONCACAF League in the new format to help grow the game. And, you know, I don't know if they would have been able to qualify had they not had this opportunity. And now they're going to get a chance to show their stuff in a first round again against an MLS side. We've always talked about how Central American teams, when they go up against Major League Soccer, that is their World Cup final. They're going to bring it. Yeah, and stay with us for, with San Carlos as we go deeper into them struggling with results as of late. Haven't really been been the best since they've gotten into that top flight once again. For me, it was interesting winning this. It's the first northern team in Costa Rican history to actually go and win the first division title. That's one of the teams Tyler talked about. You get the Aradianas, you get the Saprisas. Of course, Saprisas here. That's pride, and that's what this country is about. Pura Vida, positive thoughts. So though they may not be at their best right now, they still got a chance. And if you've got a fighting shot, I'll tell you what, as an underdog, I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah, but then you have to go play Tigres in the next round. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah, no. forget it. Pack the bus up. <laughs> Not interested just, in that at all. Say, I, I am interested, though. If NY, I mean, NYCFC, Tigres. I mean, That's you talk about, you know, just a soccer-starving community in New York City. You know, they're always ready for it. And to, you know, bring a, a Liga MX team like, like Tigres to potentially Yankee Stadium, wherever they're going to play, it would be a lot of fun. Imagine the speed of that game. Oof. Nonstop. Oof. That's the depth like that. We got, we, got the, we got the Norwegian Jurgen Klopp and Ronnie Dyla leading the charge for NYCFC. We're going to dive even deeper into NYCFC when we come back from the break because this is a team that while they have remained consistent in roster, there's a boatload of changes that have happened to elsewhere. Stick around to find out what they are. Life can be funny sometimes, folks. You hurry up and wait, you set goals, you get there, and now what? We're on the show. We're into the next segment. Now what? Devin's going to be a father in a few months' time. Now what? And for NYCFC, I sort of had the same feeling. We got a lot of changes. Now what? DNA test is still out on that one. we got to wait and see what happens there. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure your wife is watching at home and is just absolutely thrilled. Oh, I won't get in the front door now. No. no. You have a place to stay on my couch, though. Absolutely. All right, so let's take a look at some of these big changes for NYCFC. The biggest one of all has to be the coaching changes. And, Devin, this is the stat that stands out to me the most. At the bottom of your screen, third head coach in three preseasons. Now, they feel like they found their man. Everything that we've heard, it sounds like Ronnie Dyla is perfect for this sort of club. But now what with your third head coach in a third consecutive preseason? It gets to a point in time with me where, and let's go back for a second. You and I, and we both agree, Ronnie Daly is the correct hire. Yes. But it goes beyond that because they've learned over time. You know, it, when you track back to 2018, it's pretty much the only year that they got it wrong with Jason Christ, with all due respect to him. Nice guy. You know, they finished eighth in the Eastern Conference. Everything else has gotten better. Second and 16, seven and, second and 17, third and 18 behind two really good Atlanta Record, United. Record-breaking record teams. And New York yeah. Red Bull teams. Yeah, yeah. And then you win it last year. So now what? So you've got all these players moving around you and new coaches coming in and coming out. What now? Literally. Now what? It doesn't matter how you say it because if you're doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results even though you're getting the same, isn't that the definition of insanity? Call me crazy, but at some point in time for me, when you take a step past this, th there's got to be a another look, right? There's got to be the next step. It's okay. Organization. Front office staff. They're not getting bad results. To me, if I keep seeing, if I'm a supporter and I look and I see my team finishing top two, top three every single year, and we've got good players, depth is another thing, what, what, what is the next step? Because you obviously want to win more games, but if you keep changing everything, let's change the coach. 
Let's change the staff. Should Domain Toronto have left? It doesn't matter. You've changed it again. And it's the, what, you, you brought it up, third coach in three third preseasons. Third coach in three preseasons. Now what? What do you do with that? I mean, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult for sure, and it certainly makes it interesting for the players coming into each preseason with a new coach and having to learn a new system. Let's talk personnel for a second. Hebert was the leading goal scorer last year, not their most important player. You know, I, don't, I wouldn't say that he was wildly involved in every buildup, but goal scorers are goal scorers, and they get paid a lot of money to do what they do best, and Hebert is certainly one of the better goal scorers in Major League Soccer. Option to pick him up, now what? Feed him more, find him more. Maxi Morales, they're all-star in the middle of the field. Got to find a way to connect up top. 15 goals, 23 appearances for Hebert. 9-2-2 two two when he scores. I mean, that gives you an idea, and the math is a little awful. It's called a multi-goal game. Look it up. <laughs> Even I got that one right, and I don't add well. I don't add good. Um, find him more. I'm not necessarily worried about the boys up top. I'm wondering what the engine room in the middle of the field looks like. When, when James Sands maybe starts to get tired, they're still developing him. He's a young kid. Alex Ring is next to him. I think the three in the middle, however you want to look at it, whether they shift into a 4 2 I love the middle of the field. I think they're great. Yeah. I'm worried about the depth of this team. Mm -hmm. And I'm worried about the depth because when you start losing guys that provided you the option to attack in other areas, like Ben Sweat. Ben Sweat's a piece that people are going to look at and go, Okay, maybe he's not the number that we jump out at and say, that guy is a big loss. 72 appearances in three years is a big loss. It's a steady idiot outside e expansion back. Expansion to Inter-Miami. Yeah. Exactly. Maturita, of course, is the one who starts out there. But when you don't have that luxury now in the back line, when you don't have that luxury in the depth in the middle of the field, this is something that we gave an applaud to for the boys down south in Atlanta United where their names, maybe they weren't jumping off the page like we saw in years past, but they had a depth. They are now 15, 16, 18 strong. NYCFC cannot say the same thing. This is a group that is participating in the first ever Scotiabank CONCACAF Champions League. And while fr from a front office standpoint, you can say we see what other teams have, when they've fallen short, why that might be. But NYCFC still has to go through those lumps. And when we talk to Carlos Bocanegro, it's the same thing. We, they learned a lot from their loss to Monterey. They learned a lot from their quarterfinal exit in 2019. And they're going to try to apply that into this year, obviously, and we'll, we'll see if it pays dividends, but NYCFC have to go through those growing pains themselves in order to really understand what lies ahead and how they can be successful in this competition. Okay, so, so let's talk about some of the guys going in and out. Yep. Ben Sweat's gone. Mm -hmm. Keaton Parks. Keaton Parks, a nice pickup, loan from Benfica. Finally, they get him on a full-team contract. That's a nice pickup. One of the bigger ones that's probably, if you're an NYCFC fan, you're going to look and go, oh, he's back. He was never yours to begin with. Don't forget <laughs> that. He was a loanee. He's now on your contract. That's a big, yep. big move. I like that. What about the youngsters? Because Ronnie Dyla talked uh, heavily about his time at Celtic and coming here and that he wants to make sure that he's developing young ones. Ronnie Dyla, by the way, though you maybe can't say he's the one that was responsible for Virgil van Dyke. Virgil van Dyke's time at Celtic was under Ronnie Dyla. There's got to be some credit given there. Yep. Now, they are, they are known and applauded for their youngsters in the academy, but there is something for his tutelage for the fact that he was able to maintain a constant level of play for a guy at that center back position. Gideon Zalalem comes over from Sporting KC. What is he? We say, what now? That's specifically for that player because applauded at Arsenal, didn't maybe take that next step. Didn't maybe. He didn't take the he next step, and it. that's fine. But he comes over, huge signing for Sporting KC, handful of appearances, didn't fall flat on his face, but... What did he do last year in a year that, and I think you he said wasn't it really best. given a chance. It went, and it was an off in a, year. For, in a bad year. That's, and that's concerning, and, and, Exactly. Yeah. And, that's, and that, for me, is why it, it's not, it doesn't move the needle for me unless he's going to move the needle on the field. You know, like, we, we can continue to talk about all this stuff on paper, but Gideon's Lalem is one where he literally has not proven himself at this level. He didn't prove himself at the USL Championship level. What do you have, seven appearances for Sporting Kansas City, too? He was floating somewhere in between number 18 and 21 on the roster, sometimes making the 18, sometimes not, but... 
six or seven appearances for the first team? Go deeper with that. Go deeper with that, right? So if you start in the front office, okay? You start in the front office and say, do we have questions about NYCFC? We just asked that in the first segment. Now that we're breaking it down now, okay, you bring this youngster over. That's a big name signing for them. In terms of, we've brought him over, he's an international piece, and we want to find a way to utilize him a bit more. What do you do with him now? Because as Tyler just mentioned, last year he was caught in the gray area. Wasn't breaking into the 18, and if he was, sure as heck wasn't making it into the bench. Or excuse me, off the bench, onto the field. So he's not able to do that, but he also wasn't making regular appearances for Swell Park Rangers, now sporting KC2. So what, what is that signing? Because is it, we're going to put him next to James Sands and see what he does? Your development factor can't be James Sands. That can't be your, your point. It's got to be, we're going to bring James Sands along, and we're going to try and bring Zalam along. And oh, by the way, when they start selling these kids, are you upset as a fan if they're gone? And, and, and the answer is you should not be, because Correct. you need to understand that Major League Soccer is not particularly high on the pecking order when it comes to the transfer market. They're just not. They're, yeah. they're further down on the totem pole. And you need to be okay with the fact that generating revenue in different ways, other than ticket sales, merchandise, whatever it might be, especially players, that's the best way to do it because you get product on the field now and then you can sell it for money for product on the field later in young players. So this NYCFC team having a you know, very European feel to it in the city group and the, as the ownership, bet your bottom dollar, this is going to be a group that's going to be looking to sell kids, sell them at a young age for a big profit. And I mean, Joe Scally, I mean, his... I mean, his incentives can get all the way up to $9 million heading over to Borussia Mönchengladbach when he turns 18. Is that going to be a guy that Ronnie Dyla is going to throw out there on a first leg against San Carlos and say, go figure it out? He has not made a first-team appearance yet. Well, and how about three really similar examples that are also night and day, where you've got, you've got someone young like James Sands in the middle of the field who's a proven entity, who they started him off, sent him to John Hackworth at Lewis City FC, got him some time, bring him back, now regularly making first-team appearances, Gideon Zalam, struggling to break into the first team, but has shown Sporting KC that maybe he's right there. And then Joe Scally, someone who has not pushed that door a little bit. Three guys who are still young that they're trying to bring along, all of which that could be shipped across the pond for money. If I'm a fan, I'm not upset, but I'd like to see how they play that out because I think that's going to be a real good representation of where this club is going forward and where Ronnie Dyla sits in that pecking order. Well, there's a lot to find out about this NYCFC group, what they're going to look like tactically under Ronnie Dyla, what these young players are going to mean moving forward. When we come back from the break, we're going to take a deeper look at San Carlos and what this group might or might not be able to pull off against NYCFC. I'll tell you right now, Devin and I don't really give them a shot, but maybe we find, might find something where they might be able to surprise somebody in the round of 16. Don't go anywhere. So we're going to take a look at this San Carlos group who is under the tutelage of Luis Marin. He was inserted in January of 2018 after a bit of a rough go in terms of coaching spells for San Carlos. He steps in, does okay in the operatura, and then wins the first ever championship for the club. I mean, this is a group that just dusted off a little bit. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're a coach, I mean, you can't really ask for much more. You have, your, you have your grace period a little bit. He didn't do poorly. Then he ends up winning a championship. We'll take a look at the rest of the debutantes in this tournament, and there's a number of them. Do any of these <laughs> make it past the first round? <laughs> Scary. I mean, obviously the boys at the top, the fact that they're facing each other. We know one is definitely one's getting one. through. One oh, yeah. Going through. <laughs> LAFC is the one that we talked about before that roster-wise is ungodly, yeah. insane, but arguably one of the most <laughs> difficult opponents in the first round. Definitely. I'm telling you, I still think there's something about it's it's the glass slipper, right? The Cinderella story where... Somebody's got to have it. Somebody's got to have it. Someone's got to make a little run with it. And, and you'd be surprised when, you, when you're on a team. You know, I was very fortunate that 
outside of maybe two years, from the time I was like eight, nine years old un until the professional ranks, I wasn't really on a bad team. So I didn't really have to deal with that a lot. But I've dealt with it in games. And there's something when you go down early to a foe and, and there's 80 minutes and you got to climb uphill and you're on the road, that, that belief, it's there. You know, yeah. I tell you, this team can go after it a little bit. Yeah. I'm not worried about them. San Carlos, the way that they were able to qualify for this tournament, not a, a normal route by any stretch of the imagination. It's not like Portmore United where they had to win their domestic league and then win a different international cup just to qualify for this international cup. But this is the goal. This is the goal that blatantly secured their spot in Scotiabank CONCACAF Champions League as one of the highest-ranked losing quarter finalists. It's Brennes in the 87th minute against Allianz. It had no effect on the aggregate whatsoever. A little bit of help from the goalkeeper here. That's Christmas, your birthday, and your wedding anniversary. All rolled all up in one All wrapped present. in, yep. But I'll take it. Can you register for it? No, you can't register <laughs> for it. I, I think the thing for me that concerns me the most for San Carlos, yes, they're the underdog. Yes, they're going to have trouble against NYCFC. Yes, it's the travel. But number one, they're at home first. And I, I give them a little edge there. My concern, though, is their overall form. And basically what they've done since they won. They had the third place finish in the aperture in 2018-2019. But they went 9-6-7, and seven. and in that 9-6-7, and seven, the only three wins versus the top six. People are going, why do you say top six? There's only 12 teams in the league. Six of your wins out of nine came against people below the bottom six. Six to one, half dozen the other. Exactly. That's, That's literally yeah. where it came from. Yeah. Baker's dozen. Sure. So, you know, and, and then right now, and we were kind of sending stats back and forth, looked at everything. They haven't won a game since January 22nd. They've lost four in a row. You're sitting eighth in the Premier right now. You're three, four, and one. The good news is, is through all of that that you've got to wade through, they do have two games between now and NYCFC. That's the good news? Yeah. Build a little bit of momentum. It's been poor. Yeah. It's not been good. And this isn't one of those situations where, you know, they're resting players consistently. I mean, this is something that's been going on since the beginning of the Clausura. And if you're Luis Marin and you're heading into your biggest competition of the calendar year... You would like a bit of momentum, and you might be able to get it in those two games, but the only way, the only way that they're going to even remotely give Ronnie Dyla's side a shot, you have to start playing better football. You can't be going in there with your heads down. Let me do you one better, Okay. and I think you would agree with this one, and we don't do that often, by the way, is you have to start playing better, you have to do it quickly. However, that momentum is not necessarily coming from your club. I think we can both agree that the momentum could be coming in the form of gifts that are happening thousands of miles away across the Hudson River and the fact that NYCFC is not playing at their own stadium and we're going to dissect all of this in the next segment but not playing in their own stadium they've got the new coach the preseason we talked about players in and out that could be your biggest momentum right now that right there could be the guy in the dressing room Luis Marin going look at this they don't even get to play at home get it together for two games let's go win the first one at home let's make a statement and make these guys believe that we know that we can get it done. And just to make sure you're going to stick around for the next segment, there's something that came out from the supporters groups of NYCFC that might make you believe that there might not be anybody at this game. And to be completely honest, we don't really blame them. We'll have more on that when we come back. But, I mean, goal differentials and everything like that aside, this is a San Carlos group that is going to be going up against an NYCFC club that is going to be playing in their rival's home stadium. No, I did not make a mistake. That's what's going on. We'll dissect it next. Welcome back, Scotiabank Cockcap Champions League show. The seats are changed and the names are the same. 
Tyler thinks they're going to get good use out of the ISO camera now. I told them they'd turn it off. No, don't adjust your screens. We're going to be just fine. They spent so much money on that camera, and to not have somebody as good-looking as me finally sitting in the other chair and being able to utilize this beautiful... I mean, like, this... This is unbelievable. That's enough. I mean, I'll just look at you guys for the for the next ten minutes, and we can just end the show that way. The view's not bad over here. It's not bad. No, it's not no, good. I like it. No, but it's not bad. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, it's like sort of like you know a, a nice you know condo overlooking the Hudson River in New York City and looking over. But you're not. At, you're at, not at downtown. Re- overlooking Rebel Arena in Harrison, New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Segways. Fair That's enough. What we so do. Tyler and I were talking about it, and we were trying to figure out the best way to give an example of the passion that comes between he and I. And I said, you know what, what about a little role reversal? I'll jump into your chair a little bit, you jump into mine. So we're actually gonna give this man a shot and to show you a little peek behind the curtain. I wanna start with what's come out of the NYCFC supporters groups and a letter that was sent to the ownership group. So we're gonna start and paraphrase just from the bottom. While we have been regularly promised a permanent home since NYCFC's inception by NYCFC executives and their ticket sales staff, we've been left in the dark in this search expected to endure this silence, and are now regularly being asked to travel home matches, including to our rival stadium. That's the big one right there. We are tired of NYCFC's evasive and opaque communication strategy that continues to foster distrust with an increasingly frustrated fan base. They go on to close it out and say, NYCFC supporters are evaluating all of our options for the match on 226, including boycotts, in-stadium demonstrations, and protests. Our goal is, and always will be, to support our players. But our message to NYCFC's front office is clear. Playing in our rival stadium is unacceptable to your fan base. We need transparent communication, and we need action on a permanent home. I want to ask you, Tyler, when you hear those things, and when you see words like that, there's a lot of passion behind it, coming out of supporters groups like the Third Rail, Los Templados, how do you feel? Tell me, when you hear things like that, and when you read it, how do you feel? I'm angry. I'm happy. I'm I'm proud of of these NYCFC supporters. And and seriously, it's a beautifully written letter. It makes 100% sense. And I think you are without a shadow of a doubt in your right to speak this open and honestly about your club and how you're going to continue to support it. Now, I want to make one thing very clear. This isn't the first time that's happened in sports. Not the first time it's happened in New York City. Two examples. 1973-74 Major League Baseball seasons, Yankees actually had to go play at Chase Stadium, the home of the Mets, when Yankee Stadium was under renovations. Totally different scenario, but I just want to give you an idea. Cruz Azul, Apertura 2018, they have to head over to Estadio Azteca, home of their biggest rivals in Club America. So this is not something that hasn't happened before. It's not unprecedented. There's a, there's a massive misunderstanding within Major League Soccer as to what growth means. Yes, we're continuing to up the amount of teams that are in Major League Soccer, but for NYCFC, this search for a stadium has been going on for seven years, five if you're including playing years. They've been guaranteed that there's going to be a stadium. Now, we've been told over this past weekend that there's been massive steps taken and that they actually are starting to lock down a spot within the Bronx. But playing two of your biggest games in club history being the Eastern Conference semifinals last year against Toronto FC at Citi Field, and then playing at your rival stadium for your first edition of Scotiabank CONCACAF Champions League is unacceptable. Now, I understand that there are things that pop up and they don't have first rights to Yankee Stadium, and that happens. And if you're in your first or second season, maybe that's okay. It's not okay anymore. And it's not okay that we continue to have these stadium problems within Major League Soccer. Devin, when you start to think about building a team, You want to create a culture, you want to create a community, because those are the teams that are the most successful. Atlanta United and LAFC, perfect examples. They've created a culture, they have created a community. And that's why they've been been able to be so successful so early on. 
how can you continue to say, if you're Major League Soccer, that we have growth, that we're doing all of this, if, if we're not making real growth and, and we're not giving our, you're not giving your players, you your, your fans, own your own home. That's not growth to me. That's not creating a culture. How are you supposed to create a culture if you're not giving them a permanent home, if you're not being open and honest with your fan base? And here's another thing. Major League Soccer, I mean, it's not like you need to put an indefinite timeline on it, but maybe don't jump into playing right away. Nashville pushed it back, and they're still having issues with the Major League Soccer about getting a stadium. Maybe you say you get your expansion bid in 2015. You don't play until 2017, 2018, because we want to make sure you have everything in place. These are the types of things that we need to be thinking about. These are the types of things that are going to instill sustained success and sustained involvement from the club and from the community. Not going to play your biggest international match at your rival's home stadium and supporting them financially. So by all means, third rail, NYCFC supporters, go nuts. Boycott, do whatever you want because they're in the right. They're 100% in the right. Hypothetical for you. Because we know you're not. You're an NYCFC supporter. Okay. And you are knowing your passion and what you have for this game and for your club. Do you not go to the match? Because, because you and I can agree... We won't say the team that we support, but we are massive fans. Yeah. And as much as it hates me to say, I agree with you, and I do. I, I agree with 95% of what you said. That other 5%, though, is the guys in the field don't control it. They don't control it. So this goes back to whether it's the coach, the guys in the front office, the ownership group. There is a revolving issue here that seems to be the same thing. If the guys in the field don't control it, at what point in time, as a supporter, do you say, enough is enough and I'm done? Is this finally it? Maybe, because, maybe, because maybe to you're be fair, that by not going, though in theory it makes sense, and you're going to boycott it, financially you're, you're, you're not you're really hurting, hurting them. You're hindering your boys. If it was, if yeah. it was, if it was okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, maybe if you wanted to stop playing somewhere. But you're hindering the team in a stadium that, by the way, is not going to be filled in general. Yet alone the fact that now you're going to boycott it. Yeah. And by the way, they're not the ones taking in the money anyway because it's Red Bull. They got to pay to use the place. So. No, and, and and you know, and, and NYCFC. And, and listen, you know, while we're gonna while we're gonna bash this situation as much as we can, which we it, should. NYCFC is trying to do everything they can to rectify the situation. Season ticket members, it's it's free to go. Maybe it's you're silent for the first half hour. You don't bite the hand that feeds you. And as we all know, fans are the lifeblood of any club. Don't put them in the dark. Be transparent with them, just like they're asking. And and they shouldn't not go. I don't, I don't think that that's necessarily the, the, the solution here. I, I do think it should be something along the lines where make it very clear to the ownership group and, and, and even to the players to an extent, this is what happens if you're going to continue to put, our, put, to put us in difficult situations and we're not going to have a home, we're not going to have a stadium. I just, it, it, it just bothers me so much because you and I both have so much respect for this game. We have so much respect for people who work in MLS and, and everything of the sort, but can we really honestly look at it? Can we look at ourselves in the mirror as people who are working in this business and say, are we really growing if, if, if we're not having stadiums, if we're not giving our fans, if we're not giving our players a permanent home or at least having a plan in place? I mean, it, it's a hyperbole, but you're, the, you know, the, the bid to get in for an expansion shouldn't be $325 million anymore. It should be you've already broken ground on a stadium. That's the way it should go. It would never go that way for logistical purposes, but, but you see what I'm saying. Well, here. the pride aspect that we talked about for San Carlos and maybe having a chance in this kind of goes back to that, right? It's, it's the stadium that you step into. It's the locker room that you're home. It's the training grounds, and you can't bash lower division that will say teams in this country, teams like Lou City FC, teams like Charlotte. NYCFC would kill and for the stadium, for the Lynn family stadium that Louisville City has. You kill can't bash it. them and then put guys in the first division in NYFC, let them play in a baseball stadium, and then when they're in this massive competition for the first time, it's embarrassing. 
It's absolutely and embarrassing. And you played your playoff game, not at your normal field. And actually, people have come out and said that City Field is actually a better setup than Yankee Stadium. But still, I mean, it's not a good it, look. It's not a good look. It just, none of it makes any sense anymore. And for you to be in your now, what, sixth year of playing, and you still are not any closer to breaking ground on a spot? How about the record I told you? 40, 45, was it 45 and 15 in the last 60 games? In home games. In, in home games. Imagine if it was actually a home. And they're 1-1-3. One, one, and three That's a big one. In competitive matches away from Yankee Stadium. U.S. Open Cup and playoffs. There's I mean, the momentum. They had, they had that. I mean, they had one of their biggest matches in 2017. Their last home game, the last game of the season against Columbus Crew, was a 2-2 draw. They had to play it at City Field. They had to play their their playoff game against Toronto FC. Now I get it. The road team has to deal with the same thing, but I, I don't know. How can we continue to How can we continue to think that this is the right thing to do, or that something doesn't need to drastically change with with the with the continued expansion teams that were having a major league soccer? If they're going to continue to be successful in Scotiabank Concacaf Champions League, or even come close to winning it. I need a home. It's interesting as the teams coming into MLS, it's almost getting worse because you're hearing it from behind closed doors about Nashville, about Inter-Miami. By no means am I, am I knocking these clubs at all. It's just funny, like supporters groups and players and things that are going on that it's getting more difficult to put it out there and it shouldn't be, right? We, we should be learning and not making these mistakes anymore. We should, let, yeah. let's, let's segue to the next one because that momentum we talked about, whether it's NYCFC San Carlos, um, you've also got Lyon LAFC. Let's talk about the MLS clubs in general. Who's got probably the most realistic chance to make it into the quarterfinals? <sighs> Seattle, obviously, is one for me. NYCFC. And I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, and Atlanta. I would not be shocked by any stretch of the imagination, and I'll just go ahead and say it. I think Montreal and LAFC are going to lose. Yeah, see, the, the LAFC one I don't think should be surprising for anyone. The Saprissa montreal one, in theory... I think they're in trouble. I think they're in trouble as well. In theory... If it wasn't a coaching change and maybe they had... Or on Gialti was sticking around, or maybe? They were, yeah, if they were there for a year and there wasn't all this movement, that's fine. Um, especially on the defensive front. That concerns me because we know they can go forward a little and bit. And Sabrisa's just not a bad side at I all. will say this, though. The Seattle Sounders-Olympia game, that Olympia team's not going to be shy. They're not going to back off. I'm not, I'm not saying Sounders are going to lose. I'm saying that when I look at all of these, I think the easy one to look at is there's no way Motagua's getting through. Nope. There's no way San Carlos is getting through. That's out the door, and that's fine. And the other young guns are pretty much maxed up against big guys outside of the MLS. Olympia scares me a little bit. It also because of the distance traveled and the fact that it's preseason for all these teams. We've talked about that before, that it's basically still preseason. That scares me a little bit. I do agree with you that I think Seattle getting through probably has the best chance to get to the final on the right side and face Tigres. But that, that matchup scares me a little bit more than others. I'm not worried about the Seattle-Olympia matchup as much just because I, I think that when you look at Brian Schmetzer as a coach and what he's been able to do, and when you look at Seattle Sounders and what they were able to do in the most recent 2019 MLS Cup, I mean, having experience in knockout competitions and being able to just simply win and move on goes such a long way. And as good as Olympia has been and, has, and, and, and they've shown us, again, that collapse against Saprissa, I mean, like, it, for me... That, that, that sticks with me leading into the international competition that you got to via Scotiabank CONCACAF League in, in getting into Champions League. So I'm not as worried about Olympia, uh, Seattle as, as you might be. But that's just because I think that the Seattle team is, you know, while they're young and while they're going to use a lot of young pieces, there's a lot of experience as to, as to how they've gotten here. And Brian Schmetzer is just one of the best coaches in, in the United States. One more fun follow-up before we move on because we've kind of asked each other this each and every week. We saw what... LAFC is bringing to the table. Now you see NYCFC is not playing at home. There's been some movement from Seattle. We saw what's going on with Montreal Impact. For you, and we've asked the favorite question, 
Who has the best chance right now to get through and, and keep going? And keep going? In the whole tournament. It's got to be it's got to be Seattle or Atlanta. It has to be. Just given where they are. No concern with Atlanta and Club America. No, because I think I, I think Miguel Herrera, what we saw in 2018 and his arrogance Imploding and his arrogance and shooting out shooting off his mouth. I, I mean, like I, I think that there's something to be said for you know you're le- you're leading from the front. You follow your guy. If you're following a guy who doesn't respect MLS teams, and you need to respect this Atlanta United team if you're a Mexican team. I don't know. I, I just, I just, I, I can see that as maybe one of the Mexican MLS upsets. I don't think an MLS team is going to win it this year, but I think that that could be one. Seattle has the best chance. Circle back around to what we walked into in this segment with NYCFC and San Carlos not playing at home. That passion we talked about. You take a look at the great rivalries around the world. Yep. Let's start with this. If you're an Arsenal fan mm-hmm. and you can't play at Emirates, yeah. where do you want to play? Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can't buy players. All right. so get, get okay, so let me pose the question back to you. Yeah. All right. Any rivalry in world football? Any. Any of them. What rivalry would you want to see played at the other person? Okay. It's not against each other because that's not the situation. It's not like NYCFC is playing Rebel Correct. at Rebel it's Arena for a home. Their... It's just at their stadium. So let's say, here's my pick. I want Bayern Munich to have to go play in front of the wall at Dortmund to have to go play around a 16 Champions League game against Liverpool and see what the wall would cook up for that sort of situation. What do you got? That was one that I had written down as well. I've got a few here, actually. Um, I'll tell you, it would be a little interesting seeing Celtic walk into Ebrox. Oh, God. Or, or the Rangers I'd be, okay. walking into Celtic Park. Like, that's just... I'm just going to say no just because it's going to be violent. It's just going to be That would bad. be no, the, the entire be atmosphere, yeah. angry. Actually, no. That's the perfect scenario where you'd get beat up outside the stadium. Not a single person would attend it. No. You'd have, Nobody's there. You'd Nobody's have, at the game. Well, I've been to a Rangers game in Miami way back in the mid-90s when they came over for... God only knows what kind of international competition it was yeah. preseason. They travel well. They ain't filling that stadium. No. That, that's not happening. Not Either bizarre. way, it's, it's a bizarre situation. NYCFC San Carlos, we're going to wrap it up for today. Sorry to confuse you for the last segment, but we just had to do it. We had to give you a hard time on a Monday. But, folks, just remember to continue tuning in for the SCCL show every Monday and Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern time. All the games are going to be available on the Fox Sports family of networks, available in Spanish in the United States on Univision. This is available on podcast on Spotify and Anchor, am I forgetting anything else? Oh, our 90 and 60, Darlin Pavone and Monterey running circles around Atlanta United in the first leg of the quarterfinals. I spoiled it again. I do it every time. Have an awesome Monday. Have a great rest of the week. We'll see you on Friday.